you guys have your Bibles or your Bible app, turn with me to John chapter 16. In the midst of everything that's been happening, this is a passage, a verse in Scripture that's been ministering to me greatly. We're going to be reading verse 33. And this is Jesus saying to his disciples. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. It's the word of God. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for that, that promise you shared with us 2,000 years ago that you have overcome the world. We're so grateful that you didn't just say, in this world you'll have tribulation and stop right there. You gave us the most beautiful words where you said, don't worry about it, I've overcome that. So we thank you, Lord. Help us understand what that means today. We want to see with greater clarity and with greater and deeper understanding what it means that you have overcome the world. We want that to, to affect us. We want that to affect our lives. We want that to affect how we live our lives. And so, God, we just surrender to you everything this morning. Just replace my thoughts with yours, Lord. Anoint my lips. Share with your people what you have for them this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, hey, a couple, a couple Sundays ago, Dom shared with us that Jesus Christ is our hope, and how at the beginning of our Advent celebration, we, we had a choice to make. We could choose intimacy and hope in Jesus, closeness with the Father, a hope that will not disappoint, or we could choose in something lesser. We could choose to hope in something that less stable, unsure, and that would lead to distance from God and inevitably a lack of hope. Then a little over 24 hours later on Monday, December 4th at 6.28 p.m., our community began a journey into what has become one of the biggest tragedies it experienced in recent time. The Thomas Fire has caused devastation and destruction that many of us have never seen. 267,500 acres have been burned. Over a thousand structures have been burned. Tens of thousands of people evacuated out of their homes. If there is a time that our community's idea of hope is being tested, it's now. We still have a choice. We can choose intimacy and hope in Jesus, or we can choose to hope in something or a reality in something that's disintegrating before our very eyes. In a very dark time, Jesus is proving to Ventura 
that he alone indeed is worthy to put all our hope and trust in. And last Sunday, Billy shepherded us as a church community in moving forward in this devastating season. He reminded us that Jesus is our light, and we as his people have the light of the world in us. The time is now more than ever to allow our lives to shine in this unnatural darkness around us. There's a role for God's people to play in this season. This is not a time to spectate or to stand around. You know what? It's it's almost as if the world won't allow us to do that. Everybody's getting engaged right now. Everybody's doing something. This is not a time to hide your light under a bushel. People all around us are starving for the light, whether they realize it or not. Our community is truly in a state of mind where it's taking a deep look at what really is important. They're doing that right now. They're taking a deep look at what really matters, a sort of sobriety, a departure from this consumeristic norm that we typically see this time of the year. No one's talking about Black Friday anymore. Nobody's talking about Cyber Monday. God has shaken us to the core. And we, the church, the capital C church, have been equipped and anointed and appointed to bring the light of the world into those spaces and places where our community is hurting, mourning, and they're needing the light of God. And our community is also looking for that overcoming spirit to find encouragement. We're looking for that overcoming spirit to lift our downtrodden spirits from the devastation around us, to lift our heads. Many of you have seen this typical scenario throughout town, right? A group of first responders, they come to an establishment, maybe they go to a restaurant or they go to Target. And people go out of their way to thank them, rightfully so, right? People go out of their way to appreciate them. We see people paying for their meals. We see restaurants not even charging them for their meals. People supporting these firefighters any which way that they can. There's even stories of everybody stopping what they're doing in the middle of a place when they see first responders come in and they just like applaud, right? We see that. We hear about that. I believe this is part because these valiant firefighters, they represent something to us. They represent something to us. We get this feeling of, man, we're not alone. Help is here when we see those guys. We get this sense that our city can be saved because of these guys. These first responders represent that overcoming victorious spirit that we can rally around. And as a community, we're so unified in that because we're looking for someone to overcome this disaster with us. It doesn't matter what skin color you have. It doesn't matter where you live or what you do for a living. We all, as a unified community, want to emerge victorious over this thing. We all look to that, we all look to that like fire containment percentage every day, and is, is that percentage going up? We all wonder and ask ourselves, hey, are we winning yet? 
In John 16, Jesus was telling the disciples how he was going to leave them, how he was going back to the Father, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he tells them how they were going to go through some really tough times. They were going to go through persecution, even death. And Jesus says this to his disciples, these things I have spoken to, me, to you so that in me, in me, you may have peace. Not in your circumstances, not in your life. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But take courage. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Let that sink in. We are all looking for someone, or we're looking to someone, who will emerge victorious. In this tragic disaster, for sure. But isn't this really a picture of what we're seeking in life as well? Fire or no fire, we're looking for a hero. We're looking for somebody to overcome. Someone to emerge victorious in this fallen world that we live in. Friends, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our light. And Jesus is our victor. Jesus is the real champion. He's the one whom all the other victories or victorious examples are just mere shadows of. What does it mean that Jesus is our victor? Well, from our text today, it means that Jesus has overcome the world. We can take courage in that. We can take courage in that. That the trials and tribulations and sufferings and losses in this life... They're all subject to Jesus Christ's victory on the cross. Jesus has the final say. He has the final victory. And because the follower of Jesus is hidden in him, in Christ, even though we experience these things in life, we can take courage. He has overcome. We all feel it. Our souls yearn for a victor, a champion. Because we were, dead, we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our sins. We needed a Savior. We were trapped by our flesh, enslaved to our sinful nature. We were without hope. And we are constantly looking to other people or other things, maybe even a lifestyle, to deliver us. But let's take a look at what Colossians 2 says, starting with verse 13. It will be on the screen. You were dead because of your sins. Because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That's the word of God saying that right there. Just like Jesus is our only hope and a hope that will never disappoint, Jesus Christ is our victor, our champion, the only one who could snatch us from the dominion of sin and the devil. He's the only one. The only one who could do something about our natural sinful nature. He's the only one that could do something with that. The only one who could forgive us of our sins. And not only that, he takes away our sins. We needed his victory to win this battle. On our behalf, we needed him to be victorious. And friends, he continues to be victorious for us every day. Every day he's victorious for us. Some of you guys who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you might need to hear that. 
Jesus wasn't victorious only 2,000 years ago. He wasn't only victorious when you surrendered your life to him. He's victorious for you moment by moment. Because Jesus is our victor. I love this. Because Jesus is our victor. The enemy, the devil, has been defanged, disarmed, and publicly shamed. Walk your life like that. Walk your life like that. We were dead, but when our old sinful nature was nailed to the cross, the Bible says that God made us alive. Alive. Jesus' victory means that dead things can become alive again. Can become alive again. And we're always searching for that, aren't we? We're searching for things in this life to give us life. Right? We always try to do tasks and and engage in activities that are life-giving, right? Because we were designed for life. We were designed to live. Sin entered into this world in the garden and introduced death. And hence began this lifelong pursuit of searching for life. I'm here to tell you that true, fulfilling, everlasting life can only be found in the one who overcame death. Victorious over death. You guys realize that Jesus is the only one who could ever claim that? We in him for sure, but Jesus Christ is the only one in the history of this world that could claim that he overcame death. Because Jesus is our victor, Romans 8.37 says that we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Over what? Well, over things like tribulation, persecution, famine, calamity, devastation, even death. Because Jesus is victorious over all those things. And 1 Corinthians 15.55 says this, even death has lost its sting. In this season of Advent, guys, we celebrate the arrival of the one who was victorious on our behalf. And in this season of Advent, we anticipate his coming arrival of his ultimate victory. This victorious champion would enter into history in the most obscure and unexpected way. This king didn't roll into town on some gnarly horse trumpeting. and every, It wasn't like this big commotion thing on his behalf. He wasn't promoting himself. Jesus came in as a helpless, fragile, newborn baby of a poor fe- peasant family. He came here to live a life without sin and to suffer a horrific, shameful death so that he could be victorious. Well, let's not make a mistake, guys. This is not a rags-to-riches story. That's not what we're talking about here. This is no, like, Rocky becoming a champion type of tale. First of all, it's not a tale. This is real life. This really happened. What we are talking about is the one who was, from the very beginning, rich, we're talking about the one who was the, uh, the king, the king of all kings from the very beginning, who laid down his riches, he laid down his privileges, laid down his rights to become poor so that we could become rich. That's the, that's the story we're talking about today. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty... He can make you rich. That is generous grace, guys. That is the generous 
grace and the undeserved favor that's been given to us, God's people. And we receive this only as a gift, not because of any merit on our own. Our merit, our merit, what I have done with my life, that brought liability and failure to the table. It brought sin to the table. And our sin, our sin had a wage. Our offenses toward a holy God, that rendered a consequence, and that consequence is death. And that's where we all were. That's where we all were. We were dead in our sins, needing a savior, needing a champion, someone to be victorious on our behalf. That's where we were. We needed someone to be victorious over sin, over the death that we deserved, and over Satan, our real enemy. And we needed someone to be victorious because there was absolutely nothing that we could do about it on our own. Romans 5 says this in verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Can I get an amen for that? And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Friends of God. We've been made right with God because of Jesus' victorious work on the cross. We were once enemies of God. We've been made into friends of God. Having peace with God. Because Jesus is our victor, we have acceptance from the Father. We're called friends of God. Friends of God. We don't need to continue to strive for acceptance from God anymore, guys. We don't have to strive for anyone's acceptance, for that matter. We have, we, we've been accepted into the family of God. We're friends of God. There's no favor to earn. There's no ladder to climb. There's no fiery hoop to jump through anymore. Christ's victory brings us in. And Paul is telling us in Romans 5, because we've been brought in, we can rejoice. Victory, guys. Victory. We can rejoice. That's like stopping what we're doing and applauding the one who has overcome like we applaud the firefighters. That's what we do. When we get all crazy and we're worshiping in song, that's what we're doing. We're applauding the one who was victorious on our behalf. And this victory that we've been talking about, that was a costly one. It's a free gift of faith for us, for sure. We can't earn it. We can only receive it. But don't let that diminish the value or the cost that was required for this this victory. It was costly to God. You see, just like our community is experiencing loss right now, our victor experienced loss. We have a great high priest who knows what we are going through. If you're experiencing loss right now, if you're experiencing tribulation and heartache and heartbreak and disappointment right now, you have a high priest who knows what you are going through because he went through it as well and he emerged victorious. He won. 
Through the cross, Jesus was willing to experience for the first time, and the only time in history, separation from his Father because of our sin. He was willing to go through the shame. He was willing to go through the wrath and the condemnation that you and I earned because of our sin. It was all poured out on him right there on the cross by the Father. And that all took place so that he could be victorious on our behalf, so that he could give us life. He could give us life so that he could be our champion. And because Jesus is our victor, there's a response that is warranted. We don't just take that in and life continues on as normal. That would be really, that would really be bad. There's a response warranted. This reality means something for our lives. Now, this is not something that we want focusing on man by any means. Let's not make that mistake. Because Christ is victorious, He has blazed a new path for us to walk in. He's a trailblazer, as Sean, as Sean shared with us this morning. Jesus Christ has blazed a new path for us to follow with this victory. He has given us new purpose, and that purpose is not about us. That purpose is not about us. We are to walk in his victory. Turn with me right now in your Bibles or your app to Hebrews chapter 12. For the men in here, this is a very familiar passage. We've been camping on that for a few months now. But it's a passage that really encapsulates what our response to Jesus being our victor should be. You guys with me this morning? You guys good? You guys all right? All right. Cool. Hebrews 12. We're going to start with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, not ourselves, not things around us. Keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he, he endured from sinful people. Then you won't be weary and give up. I love that truth. Keep that up there for a little bit. I love it because it sets me right on how to walk out this life in light of Jesus being victorious. It's a wonderful guide. It guides me on how to faithfully love my hurting community in the midst of loss. Friends, we need to run this race not like a sprint. We need to run this race with endurance. We need to run lean and mean without the weights that hold us down. That's what he's saying here. And some of us, we're going to be called to lay some good things down. Some of these things that we're being called to lay down this season, they're good things. You know, a lot of you guys know we're packing right now. The movers are coming to our house tomorrow to pick up all our stuff. I was going to say junk, but all our stuff. And, you know, in discerning what we're going to bring over there, there's some good things that we just say, well, that can't go. There's just no space for it. And it just reminds me, like, that's life. This new season that we're all being called to walk in, there's going to be some good things you might be called to lay down. 
What may God be calling you to lay down so you could run this race effectively this season? Then he talks about the sin. So there's the the good things, the, the, the things that are weighing you down, and then the sin. Man, we don't have time for that. Forget about it. Forget about it. Let go of it. Lay it aside. There's just no room for it. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, laying down the things that won't help us run effectively and the things that won't help us run with endurance. Ventura will be entering into a rebuilding phase here in the future. And right now, the Red Cross and Salvation Army and the firefighters from all over, many wonderful organizations that are coming in to help our community in the immediate. And they're doing a wonderful job. For those of you guys who have been there on, in Ground Zero, you're seeing them. They're doing a wonderful job, and we should be so grateful for them. But they're here in the immediate. We need to be poised for the long term. This is our home. We need to be poised for the long term. We need to be ready to serve and come alongside our community with endurance. And guys, fire or no fire, that's the call in the Christian's life. It's just so accentuated right now because of our situation. Let's run and let's walk in it. And we need to run this race that is set before us by God. If you just try to add serving your community in this time in your already full plate, because nobody came in here saying, I'm super bored, I got nothing to do. Everybody's super busy. If you're going to go and try to add serving your community with your already full plate, you're not going to be run, you're not going to be able to run with endurance. You're just not going. I'm telling you right now. You'll burn out. You'll start well as Ventura has. We've started well by the glory of God, for the gra- by the grace of God. But you'll finish weak or you'll finish so-so. Nobody wants to finish so-so. Jesus trailblazed a path, and we're going to need to lay down some good things and the sin aside in order for us to follow him. And here's what's really neat, guys. We are free to run without weight because Jesus bore the weight. We don't have to be weighed down because Jesus took that on. We don't need to have the sin ensnaring us because Jesus dealt with it. That's what him being victorious means. I love this truth in Hebrews because it reminds me of where I should keep my focus, where I should keep my eyes. Because it's easy to go from here and say, rat, all right, I'm going to volunteer, I'm going to go serve my community, I'm going to pray, ministry, ministry, ministry. It's easy to do that. But remember, it's not about us. We're walking in Jesus' victory. What we're being invited to as his people right now There's not more things to do. We're being invited to more of him, more of himself, more connection, more intimacy. Remember what Dom presented with us a couple of of Sundays ago. We have a choice. This is still part of the choice. Are we going to choose intimacy? Are we going to choose connection? Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary or give up. The goal is more Jesus. He's inviting us into that. 
He is our champion, our victor. If we keep our eyes on him, what we see, we see his love for us. We see his love for us, for the joy awaiting him. The joy awaiting him. Guys, do you realize that we are a part of that joy that was awaiting him? We, the church. We are a part of that joy awaiting him, his bride. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we see the cost that he was willing to pay so that he can get you back. That's what he did. Him being victorious means he gets his people back. In this race, we are being called to run. It's not a sprint. Like I said earlier, it's a long-term play. When Ventura is rebuilt and the buildings are upgraded and people experience a refilling of the storehouses that, the, that were eaten away by the fire, she'll still be in desperate need of Jesus' victory. She still needs it. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus will ensure that we'll be there for her, the community, in the long term with the eternal prize in mind. As I mentioned earlier, there are many organizations that have come in to help Ventura in the immediate. Hands on the ground, practical needs. There's food, shelter, services, insurance companies out how you're trying to help people that they cover. There's safety. It's so amazing and it's so generous of God to provide that right now. It's so awesome. And I want to encourage you guys to partner with those movements as the Lord leads. Be the hands and feet of the, of, of the Lord as he leads you. But here's my exhortation to each and every one of you, and I'll close with this. Serve your community in the practical, hands-on-the-ground ways that the Lord is leading you, but don't let it stop there. Don't let it stop there. You know, while I was serving those who have been affected by the fire and, and preparing for this, this message, I really feel that the Lord has something specific for us as the local church here in Ventura. And I feel it's this. As you walk in those steps, serving and like really ministering to people by like laying down your life and meeting them in those practical ways. As you walk in those steps, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how He is leading you as a follower of Jesus in that path. Ask Him to give you discernment and insight on where those people are spiritually. Help in the practical, but ask God for the supernatural. What sets his church apart from what every other organization is faithfully doing? What is it? And even more specifically, what sets you apart, Reality Ventura, from the other faithful people who are coming alongside our community serve at this time? What sets us apart? Not in an exalting way, but what is he, what's that unique thing that he's doing right now? I would propose that what sets us apart from other organizations and relief agencies and etc., specifically in light of the Thomas Fire and all that is happening right now in our community, is God's calling and anointing upon us as a church to pray. I would, I would propose that. God has a specific calling and anointing on us as a church to pray. I seriously believe that. I seriously believe that. Be active and engage in partnering and participating with those that are hands on the ground serving, but be available and willing to pray as you act and as you engage. 
If Reality Ventura is your home, you need to know that God has a specific calling on this church to pray. Our church was birthed in prayer before this church even opened its doors. We prayed every Thursday night for a year and a half. It's just something in our DNA. It's a church that's sustained in prayer. Dom talked about what we do on Wednesday nights. Prayer is not just some tagline that we can add to like a gnarly photo of Ventura burning and saying, hey, pray for Ventura. We just actually have to pray for Ventura. We have to do it. Be available for that. And here's the beautiful thing, guys. Right now, people are willing more than ever to receive prayer. I don't know if you guys experienced that or not, but if you ask somebody to pray right now, they'll receive it. I've seen it. Many of you have seen it. God is doing a work in people. The Tuesday morning of the fires, we were at the fairground shelter, and there was so much activity going on. It was amazing. And everyone was serving. It was rad. Like, all these supplies getting put in, people putting up cots. And the Spirit was like, I'm setting you guys apart right now to minister into the supernatural. And it was neat seeing all these people start, like, helping in those ways and then asking to pray. And then people laying hands on people right there in the fairground shelter, just laying hands and praying for them. And you know what was crazy? Because Tuesday morning, these people hadn't even had a chance to become emotional about it. It was like shock. They were totally in shock. And the moment that you would lay hands on them and you would start praying on them, praying for them, they would like, it was like the spirit started that healing process and they started becoming emotional and they were allowed to like really start walking in what God had for them. It's happening. God's doing a work in people to receive prayer right now. A lot of you guys know Pastor Chad. He is the chaplain for Ventura City Fire. And he had this story for us last week where um, he was escorting families into areas where there was like the houses were gone. And he had this one family that came, uh, took them up there to their home. And he just felt the Spirit say, pray for them. Offer to pray for them. And he offered. And they were like, yes. And Chad prayed for them, and it was just like this rad way to minister. It was amazing. And Chad goes, hey, you know, is there anything that the church can do right now for you guys? And the daughter was like, please, the best thing you guys could do for us is pray. The best thing the church could do for us right now is to pray. God is doing something right now. A lot of you guys know my wife. She teaches a fitness class over here at a local gym. And the first day that they were back, you know, it was the first class that they opened since the fires. And she, right before class, she just stood there and she felt the Spirit say, don't start class yet. Just let them know that you've been praying for them. And so she said, hey guys, I just want you to know that my husband and I and our family and our church, we've been praying for you guys that have been affected. And it just, like what I said earlier, this healing just started to take place. And people kept coming up after class like, thank you so much for recognizing that. Thank you for taking the time to say that to us today. Friends, God is doing a work in Ventura, and I believe we have a role as a local church to pray. And I don't say this, guys, in some reality Ventura exalting kind of way, right? I really don't. Please don't, please don't mistake that. There's, there's a lot of things we don't do well. I mean, our lights aren't even working really all that well right now, right? But it is important for us to know and to take hold of as a church corporately and as well as individuals that God has a specific calling on us to pray. 
Just like there are churches in our community that God has specifically called and anointed to meet specific and practical needs like providing food food and water and clothes, like the mission, mission church right now, they're slaying it right now in loving our community and providing those things. They've been anointed by God to do that. We have a specific calling to pray. This calling upon us as a church is significant for a time such as this. And it's not less than or it's not better than other churches in our community. But we are called to be faithful in what God is calling us to. Prayer is one of our core values as a church. And it's one of God's main callings upon us to make a lasting impact for His glory and for the good of people in our community. Remember, we're supposed to run this race with endurance, right? The power and significance of prayer should be recognized and embraced and appropriated by us as a church. Now walk in it. Walk in it. If you're part of this church family, know that the anointing and calling of God on you to pray is real. It's real. Serve your people in practical ways, in the immediate needs, but do not let that be the end goal. Do not let that be the end goal. Do it, but that's not where it stops. God has set you apart to be in that place of serving so that you would pray. When you're on the ground serving people in their immediate needs, like I said earlier, be sensitive to the Spirit as He reveals to you the people's spiritual needs. There are the practical things, but there's something way beneath the surface that God is going to give you insight in. Ask Him for that. The end goal is that we would see, that they would see Jesus and experience Jesus as we love and serve them in the immediate. John Piper says that Jesus' ultimate victor, victory, the ultimate victory of Jesus, which is when he comes again, that's ushered in by the prayers of the saints. As we engage in this calling, we are ushering in Jesus coming back again. That's you. You all have a role in that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Maybe it's not that amazing. It's totally amazing. Jesus coming again, guys. That's, we need to look forward to that, please. Let's get that straight, all right? And as a church staff, we really want to equip you guys in that. Dom talked about our website and how we have a page there to how to help with the Thomas Fire Relief. Well, we've given you guys on that page some specific ways that you guys can be praying for our community and surrounding areas in Ventura County and Santa Barbara County. Just go on the website and look, and those are some specific ways that you guys can pray. One of the greatest ways we as a church can help bring relief to those impacted by the Thomas Fire is through prayer. It's through prayer. Praying for our community. Praying for those who have lost their homes. Praying specifically for your neighbors and friends and those you may meet who have been affected. It's a big call. But that's, that's how we bring the supernatural into this thing, right? I'm thankful for these organizations. I'm thankful for the firefighters. I'm thankful for all these people coming in to help our city. But man, let's bring in the supernatural and let's be obedient to pray. Like, I, like Dom said, and this is the last time I'm going to be preaching here. And as I exit, I want to take this opportunity to implore you guys to be obedient to the calling God has on you as a church to pray. Pray for the community God has placed you in. Pray for insight into the spiritual condition of the people you're serving. 
Don't miss or pass up any opportunity to be a vessel of ushering in Christ's ultimate victory by praying for those God has placed in front of you in this race that he's called you to run. Don't miss out. Don't pass up. Let's be active as the church. Friends, I would be so excited. I'd be so juiced that a couple of years from now, I hear all the way across in the North Shore, I hear that Ventura is experiencing revival. Revival because God was faithful in answering prayers that he's caused you guys to utter in this season. I would be so juiced to hear that. It'd be so good to be able to point to, man, in the middle of disaster, God had something else in mind. And he created this wonderful doorway, this wonderful pathway for God's people to engage in prayer. You guys with me on that? You guys with me on this? Stand. Let's all pray. Lord, we thank you that in spite of what seems like loss, you're in heaven right now and you're saying, I win. I win. And because you are with me, my bride, you win. You are victorious. We thank you, Lord, how you have in many ways corrected our course our path in this Advent season. You've stripped away the unnecessary and you've caused us to really have a focused view on what really matters, a real focused view of what it means that you're coming again. We thank you, Lord. We just ask right now for that power of the Spirit on high as we go out and we, we walk in this calling that you have for us. Anoint us to serve the people around us, to love the people around us, and give us spiritual insight, insight that we can't see on our own, that your Spirit would illuminate where these people are spiritually that would be super clear to us. And then you would anoint us on how to pray specifically for them. We just ask for divine appointments as we go from this place, opportunities to abound, giving us a, give us a willingness to obey. We receive that right now, Lord. We receive that as your church. Thank you for using us, broken vessels, to explain a perfect love, a perfect plan, a perfect will. Thank you, Lord. We receive that today as your church. Anoint us now. In Jesus' name, amen.